Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 357. I did get to play Biomutant for just a little bit. I think at this point I've played about 3 or 4 hours. So I haven't played a super lot, but I have also watched a bit more on stream, so I do have some thoughts about what I've seen so far. I also picked up Control, the Ultimate Edition, because it's uh, old and so... You know, they had a bundle with all of the uh, DLC and upgrades and such. I got that super cheap on Steam for 15 bucks, uh, So that was an amazing deal. And I have a few thoughts about that too. But hopefully you'll enjoy the show. So Biomutant is a little bit difficult to describe. It's kind of an odd mix of a fairy tale, a third-person open-world game, a shooter, a melee game, and an RPG. It's trying to do all these things and put them together in one crazy bundle. It's a bit quirky, it works, but it's not quite perfect. I would describe it probably best as saying It has sort of an old-school world feel to it. If this were an Xbox One game or a PlayStation 2 game, uh, you would not be able to distinguish it, I think, from any of the other games in terms of sort of how it feels in population of the world, style of the world, uh, and how it sort of presents itself as this quirky thing that's trying something new. It also has sort of a more casual play style to it. Not necessarily that it's not trying to be serious, though it is kind of trying to be funnier uh, more often than it is trying to be serious. But in the sense of you're not constantly bombarded with things to do, sometimes you just have one task and you're going a long way and looking around and just sort of enjoying the environment and sort of taking it easy along the way. It has a fable sort of feel to it, though probably not many these days will be familiar with what that means. It has a sort of animated, not very realistic look to it, as well as having a narrator sort of describe uh, what's going on, certainly in conversation, but also occasionally just as you're wandering around the world. So it's kind of weird to not really have a character with a voice, as well as when you meet NPCs, they do have their own voice, but they talk in gibberish. So you'll hear them do their gibberish, and then the narrator will translate what they said. So there's a kind of disconnect between the NPCs and sort of your interpretation of what's going on, because, again, it's more like a fairy tale or something being told to you than it is uh, something you are directly interacting with. There are a ton of choices in terms of skills, 
what they call Wong Fu, which are sort of special combo moves. Nothing's super complicated. It's like A and then uh, a trigger button. I don't know what that would be on keyboard because I would never play a game like this on keyboard. It'd be not uh, the best for me. Or like XXX or XYX. You know, that kind of combo. It's not super deep. Even still, I'm probably going to avoid those kind of moves because I'm not good at remembering them. There's also special biotic uh, mutation kind of powers you can get, which are also kind of similar to spells. There's also sort of core resistances you can get to resist different damage types. So it seems super, super customizable in terms of setting up your character in a way that matches your particular playstyle. One thing that does bother me about combat is there's no lock-on system. Even in the Batman Arkham series games where it didn't require you to press the lock-on button, it kind of automatically locked on when you did certain moves. So you didn't really have to aim exactly at an enemy. You just aimed sort of their direction and then uh, Batman would do his move, you know, directly at them. Here there is no lock-on or, you know, even assisted lock-on. So if you're shooting, as example, you better be aiming right where you want to be aiming because if you're just even a little bit off, you're going to miss. Or if you're doing a melee attack and you're attacking, 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 and you're uh, meant to attack a little bit more that direction, you're going to miss. So that might be uh, super frustrating to some people. I'm okay with it, though I really would prefer it had some kind of soft or hard target locking. It's kind of mind-boggling that it doesn't, because part of their super-fast action nature, I think, requires that. And the fact that it's not there makes it feel a little bit clunkier than it needs to be. So hopefully they will patch that in. I don't know if they will, because that's kind of a big ask for something that's uh, now post-release and you know, not planned to have any additional content or big updates. So I wouldn't hold my breath for it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that put a lot of people off. Crafting does get super deep, but at the time of this recording, I haven't experienced it myself. Uh, I've just seen it in trailers and such, but it does look really great, and most reviews uh, seem to absolutely love how the crafting works. One thing to note is that it does get a bit heavy-handed with sort of the moral of the story. A lot of games will have sort of a low-key or hinted-at moral of, you know, what the game is kind of going for. Here, it's all about how uh, the people of the world made it overly toxic and overly horrible, and then they left, and they basically just left all the trash around, and so now your world is basically just a huge pile of mutated and horrible trash. So there's a lot of heavy-handedness about environmentalism, as well as people should take care of each other and help each other out uh, in times of need. Even just going off the trailer, you find out that there's four different world bosses, and two of them are very obviously, uh, you know, toxic-slash-horrible environment-related. Uh, so if that's a kind of thing that might bother you about the game, uh, you might want to be mindful of that. I would say it is trying something new. They're trying to add a bunch of different genres and a bunch of different styles. 
and sort of mishmash them together. You don't really see a whole lot of AAA titles uh, trying to do that these days. Mostly that's something that happened back in the day, and you don't see a whole lot of that outside of sort of the indie space. But I think what will put a lot of people off is that it's priced as a AAA game. So people see that $60, you know, full price tag, and they expect something like, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, or Star Wars Fallen Order, or any other, you know, big AAA title kind of quality and polish. And that's just not going to happen here because the team is only a team of like 20 people. So yeah, they probably should have priced it closer to 30 or $40, sort of at an indie uh, this is not a AAA budget kind of game price. So do be mindful of that. It is fun. I do like it for its quirkiness. I don't think I'll return it. I think I will keep it, uh, even having paid a full price, because I do want that to be sort of a vote of, yes, I approve of your uh, quirkiness and your daring to try and do something different uh, than you know what most of the industry is trying to do. But I think for most people, probably waiting until it's around that 30 or $40 mark uh, would probably make you a lot happier. Because like I said, it does have some quirks, and I think uh, those quirks might be holding it back a little bit. So as I mentioned, I picked up Control Ultimate Edition on Steam for PC for 15 bucks, which is a super crazy discount because it's normally, you know, still that full $60 price tag because the Ultimate Edition, I think, only came out like two months ago. So I think you can get like the non-Ultimate Edition for like half as much. But I think if you want the Ultimate Edition, which has, I think... Uh, upgrades for graphics and a bunch of DLC added that's you know currently full price unless you're like me and catch it on sale uh, for the cheap. This is a third person science fiction shooter but there's a lot of sort of mystery and unknown as to what exactly is going on which is very similar to a sci-fi channel series that was called The Lost Room. And off the top of my head, I think that came out in 2006. But basically, if you like TV shows like X-Files, Fringe, or the currently running Debris, and you like shooters, you should definitely pick this up. Without saying any spoilers, you will defeat enemies and get resources to level up various things. You can level up your weapon. You can craft mods for your weapon or yourself because you can hold a few spots of sort of mods which will enhance uh, how you do stuff. There is also a perk system so you can upgrade basic stats or further down the line you'll get uh, special abilities like one ability you get pretty much right away is a sort of a telekinesis where you can grab an object and then throw it so it's sort of like a Jedi force pull slash push in one ability. 
And these upgrading points allow you to tweak uh, various aspects of your build, either your powers or your uh, basic, I guess you could say, uh, personal stats. So it seems really cool and interesting and then it looks like it would allow you to sort of tweak your playstyle to match uh, either more power-based or more uh, traditional shooter-based, depending, you know, how you want to play. And again, that's all I'm going to say about the game, because I don't want to spoil it. But it is super fun, and the mystery aspects are really interesting. Oh, one last thing I would like to say that I think is pretty important is that it seems like it's kind of randomized. The layout of the building and what you're doing in the building doesn't seem to change. What I mean is that, like, they have sort of spawn points. Uh, it's kind of old-school console-like, where if you die, you'll respawn back at your last sort of checkpoint that you did. But they aren't sort of checkpoints in the... But they aren't exactly old-school traditional checkpoints, because once I died trying to get to a certain location... And then after I respawned, I'm like, well, wait, you know, these guys are really tough. I'm having a hard time. I do have a lot of upgrade stuff. Maybe I can upgrade some stuff. And so the checkpoints are also where you can upgrade your abilities and your equipment and such. And so I did that. But as I was doing that, some guys came out of the area I had been trying to get through, which were completely different guys. And these guys were not the ones that were there last time I tried. So it's like, wait, 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 I'm trying to upgrade my stuff. Why are you coming out and attacking me? And then again, uh, at a different point when I died and returned to that same location, because the building has sort of a, a branching path, you go this way or you go that way. When I respawned again, uh, later on, there again were different guys coming at me, you know, from different directions trying to attack me. So it seems like until you completely cleanse an area, it is possible for that area to change. So you may die, you may go back to your you know, last most recent checkpoint spawning spot, but it seems like the world continues. So that's really super interesting to think, you know, if I fail this area, I should expect it to be maybe a little bit different when I go back in. So I think that's really cool and really interesting. And it does imply, too, that the bad guys are leveling up with me. So that's also a cool aspect uh, that I like that keeps things odd and interesting. Because I don't know what to expect, because these are not uh, your typical shooter bad guys in many ways. They're a little bit different, so they keep you on your toes. But again, if you are into shooters and you're into science fiction shows, especially uh, the odd ones where you don't quite know what's going on in your kind of figuring out what's going on along the way, I would highly recommend this. So that's really it for this podcast. I noticed after last time, it has apparently uh, been more than 10 years since I've been doing my podcast. How crazy is that? I guess the time came and went uh, and was a little bit 
untracked because I've been, you know, having not quite a steady release schedule. So the numbers, I didn't necessarily denote, you know, what year I was in. But that's pretty crazy uh, to think about that. I guess things are pretty sad for me lately. I've been feeling uh, super extra depressed. Of course, I'm still homeless and everything is terrible. Nothing has changed there. Everything is still pretty much closed in my area. The library is a little bit more open. I can go in and uh, look for stuff uh, that people returned, you know, maybe pick something up that wasn't uh, on my waiting list. And I can do my waiting list. I think I mentioned that before. So I am fairly regular and current on all of my shows that, you know, I put on my waiting list. I'm like, okay, well, get this to me when it comes and I can, you know, catch up on that. I don't know, I think in general, I've been feeling uh, pretty sad and pretty depressed about, you know, everything and stuff being closed and further limiting my already limited life is, you know, not the best. I do still have some money uh, from the stimulus. Oh, uh, speaking of that, my car passed the smog check, which it has to do every uh, two years here in California. So I'm good uh, for another two years on that. And I paid that with the stimulus money as well as paying for registration for this year. So that is a, a huge bill uh, for the year that is taken care of. So that is uh, less stressful. But that's really it. Things are getting warmer. So that's, I guess, a little bit better feeling. I'm not super cold anymore. So that's great. But now it's starting to get uh, super hot. So I may soon have to start dealing with, you know, do I want to be in a different area or do I want to stay in my normal area and connect from uh, and do stuff with my laptop from? And is it going to be, you know, too hot today to run my laptop? Because, you know, after a certain point, uh, you don't want to do that because the ambient air uh, being hot, you know, hot air going in is hot air coming out. So it doesn't cool the system past a certain point. But I guess for the moment... Uh, I'm okay. I may or may not talk more about Biomutant uh, in a few weeks. I'm probably going to be playing that uh, pretty super casually. Like I said, it's kind of a casual game. It's not one that really sucks you in and you're like, oh my god, i got to play this for 10 hours straight. Plus, I've heard uh, from the devs, it's a 15-hour completion if you rush it, or about 30 or 40 hours if you don't. So I'm not in a super huge rush to you know, pound through it. I will take it at a more leisurely pace and uh, sort of enjoy the scenery. So I don't know for sure what I'll talk about uh, in three weeks. I know the Elder Scrolls Online expansion is coming, I think, in the first week in July. I don't know for sure if that's going to be before or after next podcast. But I guess uh, what I talk about is what I talk about. And hopefully I'll see everybody then. Okay, thanks. Bye. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at 
www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbit, R-A-B-B number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright Eric Stryker using a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Derivatives License 2021